Welcome to the Penny Bloom Podcast. Ain't another place that has got more bombast. Rump past your mom, dad's listening to Tomcast. Talking everything that make you sad. We don't want that. We're here to make you smile. Put your mind at ease. Peace, love, and bloom, and always praise Keanu Reeves. This what we about. Get some weed and now. We'll talk until we can't no more, and then we peace and out. Alright, let's go. Penny Bloom Podcast. It's the Penny Bloom Podcast. Penny Bloom Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome in to the Penny Bloom Podcast. It's a day late, but it's the Andor after party. We finished Andor yesterday, and therein, it's time to party. I am Colton Robertson. I am joined by Joseph George. What's up, homie? Oh, what up, what up? Always a pleasure to be here, and there is one way out. There is only one way out. Way out, and this is the Andor after party, like I said. So we're covering... Star Wars Andor today is episode 10, premiered on November 9th, 2022, titled One Way Out, written by Bo Williman and directed by Toby Haynes. And goddamn, man, uh, uh, we continue. I continue to come back to this podcast every week and go, do we have a new best yet? And every week I continue to think we might just. Um, I think we said on the I. Um, that episode, I think we were like, all right, no way, no way an episode can beat that one, right? Like that was just, we got everything. It was beautiful. Wow. What an episode. I can confidently say that this is what did it. This episode tens. We don't, we don't even need to talk about it before rating it. This is tens across. Can we actually do that? Because I don't have a single problem with this. I, I can't actually find anything that I. No, no, I mean, it was exquisitely written. Uh, It looked fucking gorgeous. Like, it was such a beautiful episode. The acting was phenomenal. The score was pretty much, like, the the the, the show score has already been fucking fantastic. This just, like, I genuinely believe Mm. this is the single best piece of Star Wars television we've ever gotten. Um, and it's amongst the best Star Wars we've ever gotten. Um, and in this show, which last week, last, I think it was last week or the week before I proclaimed, this is the best Star War. Can't remember mm-hmm. which week it was. I think it was last. Eh, I think it was last week. Cause I remember saying that I'm like, I don't know if I'm there yet, but I can confidently say it's the best of something or something. Yeah. Like yeah. That. It was the best of the shows. Um, you said yeah, that. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I, uh, we're we're well on our way to to what i said being the case um especially like especially after two seasons of it like that's the thing is that we're not just going to end this story after season one and that's what's really really fucking me up right now is that this is this is well on its way to being the best star war ever and this is coming from from a guy who loves all star wars i like you will not catch me out here bad mouthing any of the star wars i I love all of it. You know what I'm saying? Like there's, there's nothing, there's nothing about this franchise that rubs me the wrong way. Every, is Dave every... Filoni attached to this in any way? No. I want to like make people realize that because I feel like people will be like, if it's Disney and it's not Dave Filoni, I'm not watching it. Like I, there's, I feel like a lot of people that are like, like 
if Dave Filoni isn't on the property, they feel like it's not George Lucas, so it's not Star Wars, so they're just going to say fuck it. Mm. Dave Filoni's not attached to the show. I didn't know that. I yeah, I know. I say he's, maybe he might have had a voice, whatever. But knowing yeah, that like, he's I not, mean, no, and- I'm not. I'm not going to lie with you, lie to you. I love Dave Filoni's work on Star Wars. I always have Clone Wars, Rebels, The Mandalorian. I mean, fucking The Mandalorian. Um. This this washes all of it, and it's not even close. Like I I love all of these things, you know, and I think all of it is good for different reasons. It's just like mm. that's every time I, I've seen people like, oh, why do we have to compare shit? I'm like, I don't. I'm not trying to compare anything to anything mm. else because it's not comparable. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like there are people who like I I watched a lot of uh, like recaps over this episode and. And kind of people's general thoughts over the the series so far, and a lot of people like are very hard in the camp of um, if people want basically Dave Filoni to be the Kevin Feige of Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, is that I think Dave Filoni has very great Star Wars ideas, but I don't think he can write an actual like emotional and like the actual impact that a story can have like Andor, I don't think Dave Filoni has that capability, you know? I think, I think he's shown that he does every once in a while, but like, that's the thing is that star Wars is such a vast universe and it's touched so many creators that I don't think, I don't think this universe should have a Kevin Feige figure. Mm. I think every, I think every single Every single thing should have the care and attention of one creator who wants to create that thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think that's, I think that's the way to go with Star Wars because it's like, no matter what, it feels like a passion project. And that's what I really love about it is that like, when it came to the book of Boba Fett, Robert Rodriguez, it felt like that was a fucking love letter for him. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Obi-Wan Kenobi. I felt Deborah Chow absolutely loving what she was creating, you know? And that's, what's important to me when Tony, like, Tony Gilroy creating Andor hmm. there there's a spirit to these things that you just you just feel like in the Mandalorian that's where you're getting that Dave Filoni John Favreau heart of it you know what I'm saying and uh, uh and you can feel hmm. it in like three episodes of the book of the book of Boba Fett but like uh you know that's uh that's important to me is that like the creators who are heading up these projects I can I can tell the heart that they put into it and I want to be able to feel that whereas like uh you know there are only I, and I I hate to throw the MCU under the bus like this but there's there's just it doesn't feel like there's as much heart there from each individual creator you know like I feel like the ones where you can really feel the heart from the creator Chloe Zhao on the Eternals I feel like I'm really really getting something mm-hmm. out of that you know uh yeah, really anything oh, yeah, past in game, it's been like I'm not gonna lie, it's been rough. Like I think the DC and maybe what Star Wars is doing now is the framework that works. Like um Dang, having written on like Shang Chi, I could feel that too, you know. Like mm-hmm. there's just like a Yeah. Every once in a while there's a real there's something with heart, you know, and Matt Reeves on the Batman, heart. James Gunn on Peacemaker, heart. Like uh mm-hmm. Okay. Some, yeah, yeah. Sometimes you can just feel when a creator mm. cared about the thing they were making. You're right. That, uh, and I don't know. This I was debating on putting this as my favorite episode of television of this year. And I was trying to think of any House of the Dragon episode that could beat this. 
And, like, that's the thing is that, like, maybe a scene of House of the Dragon could be, but, like, that this episode was the whole time. Like, no, I mean, it, it was just the whole fucking thing. That's my thing is that, like, I, I loved, like, that's the thing is when an episode of TV is good, I'm going to like it, you know, and I, I'm, I'm easily entertained. I'm easily satisfied. You know, I'm not, I'm not the world's greatest critic. Mm. I like a lot of shit. Um, but the fact that this is so goddamn good and it's Star Wars elevates it to a place where it's quite easily my favorite show of the year. That's fair. Um, I guess it is critically as good as House of the Dragon or Westworld or any other show that I've watched this year. All right, but it also Yeah, I know. That is super sad. But we'll get to that this, one day. The Star Wars added on top of it, like and that's the thing, is that like the show is it is Star Wars, and I don't want to say that, you know, just because it doesn't have lightsabers or whatever, that I'm not seeing Star Wars here. Because we have the Empire, we have crazy prisons, it's obviously Star Wars. But, yeah. like, the story that they're telling is just very real. Like, it's I mean, it's... It's oh unique my God. in comparison yeah, it's... to a lot of stuff you get from Star Wars, and, like, that's uh, that's that's hard to do, you know? that Like, in a, in a universe where a lot of the criticism is it all feels the same, I don't I think... think you 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 can't say that for this i don't think i think the key difference between a show like this and maybe like a just one of the movies take just the first star wars movie for example it is very obvious who is good and who is bad it is good versus evil and you watch them fight it out you know who's who it's whatever but now we're getting into all the gray area where you know someone's on the rebellion which we know is the good side That's- but you can see a character like Luthen where maybe they're not exactly the best person, you know, or they have a lot more going on with them. They're not Dude, exactly that, good. That fucking monologue he gives at the <laughs> end when he says, I'm condemned to use the tools of my oppressor to defeat them. He is Rebellion Palpatine or Rebellion Thrawn is yeah. the, the closest. I, I can't like... We don't hear about him ever outside – like, we've never heard about never, him. Never, never has Luthen Rael been mentioned. There's two options. One, he dies. He definitely two, dies. or he is the rebellion leader, and he is that secretive. Like, even when the, when the rebellion went full public, and they're like, yeah, we got Princess Leia, we got freaking Mon Mothma, you know, like, obvious, like, mm-hmm. rebellion leaders – they kept Luthen a seat, you know, like imagine. Yeah, maybe, I'm maybe. assuming he dies because no way. No, nah, this just man's keep... going out in an, in an act of revolutionary yeah. suicide, according but... to Huey Newton. This shit is uh, mm. this man's this man's gonna die for the cause. I have no doubt about it. It's yeah. it's like a I fucking lo- I fucking love the character, dude. I I absolutely mm. love the character and what he's bringing to the table. But yeah, you know the questions the questions of morality are always really cool. He is obviously fighting for the good side, but in fighting for that good side, you're gonna have to do some dark shit. I like that what this show is saying is that to defeat fascism, the answer is armed revolution. There, like that that is it. You can't you can't avoid that if you are facing fascism. That is how to get out of it. And, like, you just you, you can't argue with the logic of this show, man. Like, it's too fucking good. Yeah, it's like, the, the, it's it's scary how dystopian 
the show is, but how reflective it is of the real world. Like, it's so sad that we can actually look at this show and be like, oh, yeah, I can take many aspects out of what's happening in this galaxy far, far away and look at good old Missouri. Or good old, you know, like even a city. Like, I mean, it's like not even on the national level. Like, it's just, I don't know, it's kind of sad. No, but, yeah, uh, it's it's kind of insane. It really is. But uh, are are you ready for a scene-by-scene breakdown of this here and or uh, episode 10, One yes, Way Out? Yes, I need some order with all of this chaos that's going up here right now. I need some order let's, to it. <laughs> let's do it. So... We begin on Narkina 5, where Olaf is being tagged and bagged and uh, walked through the facility. Sadly passed at the end of last episode. and uh, We then cut to a shell-shocked Kino after l- learning the information at the end of last episode and a discussion with Cassian, who's like, Yo, we need to go. Tomorrow. We will not have a better chance than tomorrow. Uh, and he's like, Nah, that's fucking dumb. And he's like, They just killed a hundred men to keep them quiet. What do you call that? Cassian calls it fear. Kino calls it power. And, uh, you know, Kino, Kino's real, real doubtful of this plan up until a point where Cassian says, I'd rather die trying to take them down than giving them what they want. Yeah. I'm sorry, but there's no other line that is winning no. for this episode. That's it. Um, That's the one. It's whether it's. Cassian's first delivery or the second delivery. I, I, it's the I callback. Kind of, it's the callback. Well, and yeah. the fact that, like, Cassian's words just hold so much weight. You know, like when he says, I'd rather die trying to take them down than giving them what they want. And Kino calls back to it and his biggest act of rebellion yet. What what does Jin say when she's speaking to the entire rebel council? Uh, When she's telling them what they need to do when they need to storm Scarif. Rebellions are built on hope. And the person who said that line to her was Cassian earlier in the movie. And it's like his his, wor- his words just carry weight with people, man. Like he, when he says shit, people listen. He's a natural leader. It's like and he's he's, he's learning that he's learning that slowly. Uh, but I, like, I want to follow this man. You know what I'm saying? And I know Kino is like the the de facto leader here because he leads everybody. But like, who's getting him there? It's Cassie. Yeah, I mean, Cassie's the one, like, in this scene right now, Kino is lost. He's like, he's oh, like, he holy fuck, bad. I'm dead. I don't, there's no way out of this. Like, he's. Whenever, whenever Cassian's talking to him and, uh, like, he gets on, like, uh, Kino gets on program and Cassian keeps talking without getting on program and he, like, goes over there and tries to wrestle him into getting on program. And it's like, you can tell this is just a man who is flustered and flabbergasted and has no idea what to do so what's he gonna do he's gonna get on program until someone can convince him otherwise and that's ultimately what cassian does here and uh they go ahead and get on program in the nick of time and make it make their way to the beds wherein they let everyone know what's up cassian begins explaining you know Olaf is gone uh and uh you know, 
love how one fuck? dude down there at the very end was like, louder! Like, he's like, yes. I can't fucking hear yeah. you! Come on, exactly. man! I want to hear all Come on! Like, and then Kino, sense. like, whispers to himself. Yeah. What was cool about that <laughs> is, like, the way that Kino's, Kino's talking, like, real quietly, and then the dude next to him is passing the information down the hall so that everyone can start talking to each I really love it, but... You know, he barely gets to his cell in time, Cassian. The the floors flash for him, and he gets there barely. And uh, Dude Cassian's... is too comfortable with that timer, man. Oh, he yeah. is way too comfortable. I'd be, I'd have just or maybe he's just... Bunk. Maybe he's just that calculated. Because, I mean, both times he's gotten it on the money. Right Seven there. seconds, right bang. There. This dude just... He's goaded. Dude's force-sensitive or he's some got shit. Calculator. He's, he's got, got calculator. Whether he's force sensitive or not, the force is fucking with him. That's force is with him. That's holy true. shit. But um, he explains to everybody, Cassian, that they fried two shifts to keep the failed prisoner transfer under wraps, and the room's boiling. You know, everyone's speaking up. Everyone's asking how, why. Hey, some speak up down there. I can't fucking hear anything. And that's when it builds up and up and up to Kino yelling, "No one is getting out." Hello. That what built him, he didn't say a word after Cassian told him that line. He just, he was contemplating that line that Cassian told him. I'd rather die. That entire time. You know, he's, t- he's like, because beforehand he's like, I'm dead. There's nothing I can do. They they have power over me. I can't do anything. There is no escape. He didn't even think of the fight as an option. But then as Cassian is like, no, you are dead. Dude, we need, like. If you want to even try to live, you need, we need to go. He like, mm. that's what, you know, like, and I love how at first, whenever he screams, no one's getting out. It, it kind of makes you think at first that he's going to be like, everyone, nothing's happening. You know, like I, like, at first I, I kind of thought that he was going to like cover one. it up at first. And I was like, hold on, like, hold on here. But then, you know, he goes into. Yeah. He begins letting them know what's what mm. he tells them that it's true. The rumors, it's true, all of it, uh, that they're not letting them go ever. They're going to die here or in the next place. He says to get into their, get back in their cells, get their heads back on straight, and start figuring this out, which is, which was just a stellar way to leave it. Like, let's start figuring this out. We are going, nobody's listening. We are going to figure this out here and now. All of us together, let's talk through this. Uh, mm. He's in, you know? And uh, you would think, like, uh, it, it kind of seemed weird to me to be like, get your heads back in your cell and let's figure this out, instead of being like, let's converse and try to figure this out, you know? Like, I feel like that would be, I don't know. Like, because everyone turned around and got quiet and just kind of thought about it. But, like, you didn't get the sense. I think it was to imply that, like, they might not be listening, but they might be watching. So if they're all, like, heads poking Uh, out. Ah, okay, okay. All right, everybody, what are we doing? Okay, Uh, that makes more sense. I think I think that's more what he meant. Like, get your head back in your cells, and let's figure this out. Like, let's let's talk about this. I love whenever Cassian and Kino were walking through the hallway at first. Uh, Oh, what's the dude's name that... Man, he died. It was so sad. But the guy that uh, he was planning with... Initially, that he was talking to, he's like, the "Plans changed." Yeah, whenever whenever he passed him, he was like, um, "New man tomorrow," and he was like, "Like like code." He was like, kind of telling yeah. him in code that it's like it's going down yeah. tomorrow. 
It's um, go. Yeah. It's about to go down. Uh, mm. yeah, he was, he, and I liked that. Like, uh, and just the way that everyone looked to them, you know, like, uh, when they entered, everyone uh, was like, like, all right, what's up? Y'all two are the ones we listen to. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's, let's really get into yeah. it. But, uh, I, I absolutely love it. And the shot when they walked in was beautiful and symmetrical the way they like walked in and like the wall uh, in the sides and everyone peeked out like, ah, fucking beautiful. But after this, we head over to the ISB briefly where we get, uh, the, the, the fact that they are quite happy with their execution of their, their murder of Anto Krieger's pilot. Uh, they're, they're like, yep, we fucking nailed it. Went exactly as planned. Looked like this man froze up on a whole breach exiting hyperspace. We did it. And, uh, the man known as Lonnie, as we come to know him, suggests a course of action that they should go ahead and investigate because that is what we would normally do. We need to, we need to do what is most normal. And part of guys is like, fuck yeah, buddy, let's get it. Mm. And, uh, they, they act on it. And that's all this scene with the ISB is. Very, very brief. Um, so they captured a pilot from his crew. Yeah. And they used that creepy scientist dude to torture him and get whatever out of him. To tell him that, that uh, what? Spell house is getting raided. And- yeah. But how did, was it ever explained how they captured that pilot? They just happened to... I think it's just like, you know, uh, basically intergalactic stop and frisk. Probably ah, just. Okay. I didn't know if it was. Saw a okay. ship was like, yo, what's up? We're going to investigate you. Because um, I was wondering, um, the only other Krieger mention is with Luthen and Saw Guerrera. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, I'm trying to like, like, why was Saw Guerrera in the show? You know, like, where does he come back? Does he come back? Was it just a cameo? Was it, you know, just a, holy shit, we're having these two people on screen talking to each other, like, holy fuck, you're welcome. Or is it like, what do they, is the link of the show, because that's the only time Krieger is ever mentioned, is with the ISB or Luthen and and Saw Gerrera. So, like, I didn't know if, like, Saw snitched on them. And got that pilot captured, you know, because like he was Ah. mad at Luthen, you know, but I saw doesn't do that though. Like he does, he obviously doesn't go to the fucking ISB and he's like, here's a pilot. No, he's not doing that. But like, that's the only link that I could see, you know, if there is one. I get you. Like, you're just asking what was Saw's purpose in general. And I do think it was uh, basically to show infighting in the left, like in the, the, far left of the star wars mm. universe okay. um, the way that he breaks up all the factions and is like none of us actually agree on shit we just know the empire empire bad you mm. know like uh that's that's all that's all we're we're in agreement on and uh i think luthan's like that's all we really need to be in agreement on and saw's like nah it's not we need to we need to get one message one goal for the end of this shit um mm. and uh I think I, I I don't know if it was more of just a philosophical purpose that was being served there, or if he will. I think I'd be willing to bet Forrest Whitaker Sagarera might play a little bit bigger of a role in season two, uh, just because mm. um, that covers a lot more ground as far as it's, time period. But uh, it's like because Disney they they said that moving forward they're going to stray away from fan service. That's like their new kind of like 
I don't know, they, they actually a lot of this stuff came out recently about like the sequels and how they handled it and Disney's not very happy with it. And like they changed their whole plan of how they're making Star Wars moving forward, which is kind of weird. Um, but they said that they're straying away from fan service. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if, if I'm looking at it as a scene that's not fan service, like if it, if it does have a purpose, you know, and it, it could just be that philosophical. I, I like that. I could just be that the, just a little further push into the, the divide of the rebellion, you know, and seeing all the different factions. But like something like Luthen handing Cassian a kyber crystal, is that just fan service? Or is there actually like, how, did we like just gloss over that way too easily? Like, I know he collects stuff and like he's a collector, whatever. But he says that this means more to me than you'll ever know. Don't take any less than 50k for it. Then we hear it's only worth 30k. So no way anyone would ever pay 50,000 for it. So like, he's basically saying like, this is worth more to me than you'll ever know. What is worth, who would a kyber crystal be worth something to? You know, like someone who was in love with a Jedi. That okay? That's that is where my my theory at first was that Luthen himself was a Jedi, and then I'm like, I don't know. Nah. There are, there are some things that lead you to think that like his cane in the first time he comes in is literally a fucking lightsaber. Like it it extends. It's a hilt, and then it just yeah. like I mean, it's literally a lightsaber, but just metal. So like, would be sick if that was his hilt. Or his lover's hilt and mm. the crystal is, you know, cause he can't have them together or else, you know, you have to hide your everything. Right. So like, um, but I don't know. I, I really, I really like, um, don't like, I, I don't know if I'm thinking into it too much. Like if this Kyber crystal is more, or if it is just strictly just like, oh, you're, we're tying it into the, you know, tying it no, into Star I Wars think, that you uh, know. I think it's fair. I think, uh, I think it's a fair the- I don't think he was a Jedi. I think that's one we can get, go ahead and rule out. Um I do think it's possible that he was in love with a Jedi. I do think that's far more this. plausible. You know, everyone has their own personal rebellion. Mm-hmm. Uh mm-hmm. the the act that started the empire was Order 66, a systematic killing of the Jedi. It would make sense for that to be his like immediate he, breaking point. He says it was 15 years ago that he made his equation calculated and knew. That would have been the fall of the Republic. Yeah. So it makes sense. Like it, whether his lover, lover Jedi, I, I, I'm, I'm talking as if it's true, which I love, but like, I, I just really want to believe in it. But like if it, if his lover Jedi like died, like it didn't have to happen during order 66 could have just happened whenever. And like, he could have been like, Oh fuck, like fuck the empire. Or whatever, like it could have happened whenever. Um, but does that the fifteen years does that put it like where does that what even happened? I guess that'd be like twenty BBY. I guess like because if we're fi- well maybe nineteen. The empire the empire reigned for twenty years. Like it is the fall yeah. of the republic. So literally, five, that is five okay. BBY. Yeah, we are set at five BBY. Fifteen years ago is immediately when the empire started reigning. Okay. Like it is okay. That's he was right. like, as soon as that shit started, he was like, I'm organizing, you know, like, uh, it was not, there was no hesitation involved for him, but, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get to, we'll get to be yeah, I guess more and more about it, but, uh, save some Luthan stuff. Nevertheless, back on Narkina five, another day ticks away and the lights come up and, uh, 
Kino tells everyone that they are done counting shifts. There was only then and now. There was only one way out, and he's going to assume he's already dead and play it from there. They won't warn the night shift. There's no sense they'll hear about it one way or another. And like, that's, that's confidence. One way or another, we're either getting the fuck out or we all die. They'll hear about it. Um, I mean, the and, logic makes sense, though. You're dead already. You might as well. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Cassian's right. Like, he, he's right. Like, you're dying one way or another. You might as well die fighting. And, uh, they, Cassian and Kino walk out of the barracks side by side, shoulder to shoulder, leading the men out of the, out of there. And, uh, they proceed through their procedures, procedures as if nothing's different, working a normal shift for now. We then briefly cut to Ferrix, where a woman named Jezzy is asking a doctor to come look after Marva. She's been refusing to take her meds. She'd rather eat. Uh, you know, the, the pills have been soiling her food. She'd rather eat than, than take the pills. And everyone's a little disappointed about that. They're like, come on now, Marva, we want you to be healthy. And we see a curious onlooker who is definitely, definitely Empire. Um, oh, he's an ISP agent. Yeah. He, uh, like, He's in the, in the room of all of them. He's in there. Like, uh, uh I don't think he's spoken yet though, is the thing. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, no, I was like, he's, he, he yeah. was one of Deidre's people whenever she was like, you know, we, we're, we're always watching her now. Last episode. Like, this is a mm-hmm. dude who is watching her. Um, yeah. Cause I, I knew at first, cause I, I wrote in first in my notes, I'm like, who the fuck is that dude? Because the camera focused on him. I'm like, I know I recognize him from somewhere. This dude looks from, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying like in the, and or within the show, the actor. I felt like I recognized him. I'm like, oh, I recognize him from somewhere. So I guess he might be important. I'm like, wait, he actually does kind of look familiar for the show. Right, and right. then I, I, on Twitter, there was just a, like a literal side by side screenshot of him in the ISB in his uniform. And then I see, his, you know, I whatever. See. Um, yeah, well, yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah, I guess did Senta pick that up, or did he see what like happened there, or like did they even not know of each other, like at all? Because it showed Senta like looking in on Marva, and then she kind of like walked away or something, and then it panned to the this ISB guy. Um, was oh, it? I'm gonna cap with you. I did not catch Senta being in the scene at all. Yeah, she. Yeah, she. Um, she was the one initially spying on the conversation on Marva, um, mm. was Senta. And then, yeah. And then she steps forward. She hears what's happening. She no. leaves. Yeah. She just goes to walk away and then it goes to the ISB guy. Yeah. Oh, okay, but she, yeah, I see you. I see you. Uh, the ISB guy did not see Senta though. No. Yeah. I would uh, go. They're both really good at their spying jobs and neither mm-hmm. of them noticed each other. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Senta was there. She saw that too. Right, cool. Yeah. I, I ought to give that scene a little re, rewatch i was i was focused on jesse talking to the mm. uh talking to the man's the doctor mm. but uh, after that we're on coruscant with mon mothma take Holma, and dabu skuldoon an underrated and, and, scene of the episode man whoa i got choked up there a little bit yeah, talking very, about it. <laughs> very forgettable in comparison to everything else but uh but, man it's a fucking goodie uh they exchange pleasantries the best score of the episode i think is here Oh. Honestly, like I I know and that's crazy in the prison break sequence. I know, and the whole thing, I actually the use of the score here was more impactful because I didn't need the score in the prison break. I'm already fucking amped right, up, and like you. it just adds to it. But here, like I don't know really 
honestly what the fuck they're saying half the time. I can get the concepts, but like they're talking kind of nonsense a lot of the time here. And like, but the, the music like got intense, like right at the perfect times. And it like pick, I don't know. It was just, it's slow and it just builds the, it builds the tension. I, I don't know. This was, I never usually notice score whatsoever, but this was just, I don't yeah, know. Was, I loved it. Very, I can't, I can't get past the use of the score when Kino's giving his speech. Like that was, that's, I mean, fair. Yeah. Like that fair. shit fucked me up, but uh, uh <laughs> no, but you, you're, you're right. It was effectively used here. It was very, very good. And uh they exchanged some pleasantries discussing uh decor and shit. Uh, and they, they get to business. Mon gives him some shit. He gives her some shit. Uh, and you know, he's specifically like, uh, you know, you're married, married to take coma. You know, that's been, it's been a long time coming. That can't be fun. Um, and she's in, you know, he, he, he says that there's a, that most don't understand the clarity of Chandrillan marriage and how it's an institution is great and an old one. Uh, and how, uh, you know, boundaries are nice to set up and they're important and, uh, and, and all that and that nice little seed planting for what he's going to ask for later. And, uh, mm. she then explains that she's seeking an alternative financing arrangement for her, uh, for her foundation. And he's like, uh, yes, I've heard and I can comply. Uh, we can keep things well sealed. He's, uh, clearly no fan of the empire's financial regulations. He's, uh. You know, they've made a game of searching for money. They've made a game of hiding it. Um, so Davos Skaldun's kind of the guy to go to for this. It's just a matter of whether or not he's trustworthy. Um, and, you know, for for this deed, he insists there will be no fee for his work. And she's like, no, I, I insist. And he's like, no, 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 no. It's okay. And she's like, don't get me wrong, homie. I don't want to be in your fucking debt. I don't want to have to do a fucking favor for you. Uh, so what's the price going to be? And he's like, ah, no, 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 no. It's all good. I, uh, and she's like, tell me what the fuck you want. He's like, all right, all right. So I don't plan on this being my last trip to Coruscant. You know, I plan to come back and I'd like to bring my 14 year old son. And the way that it just immediately, I was like, nope, no, 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 no. Uh, and she is appalled rightfully so and uh mm. any business moving forward there in this moment is immediately halted at this suggestion she tells him to get the fuck out he gives her shit and she, he's like you'll think about it and she's like uh, i'm not thinking about it and he's like ah that's the first untrue thing you've said and he I, sees his way out i think the sad reality of this is that it doesn't matter what mom thinks or what she wants the chandrillin Customs, I feel, aren't very gender neutral or gender equal either. Maybe they are. Maybe that's just. A, I don't want to assume I that, think, though. I think what I'm, we're uh, what we've seen of Chandrillans, that's a conservative society. That yeah, we're and and the, the the fact that Perrin has been friends with Davo for a long time, mm. I think their betrothal is already. It's already a thing. They're just, he's trying to make it like seem that they're asking Mon to make it seem that it was like she was part of the decision. But I think, I think it's already happened. You think Perrin's already been like, yeah, fuck yeah, Davo. I like you, dog. Yeah, they're friends. And I bet that Davo probably is like, oh, well, your wife is looking to, you know, 
do this for a charitable thing, but she's working with me and parents probably, you know, I think he's going to put those two together Mm. and then like snitch on mom. Like I, like I, you know, like I think that's the, that's the parent. That's where parent comes in is he becomes the Tim. All I know, all I know is that when the time comes, I need Vel to put a blaster bolt in parent's head. I just need it to happen. Fuck, man. Uh, it's gonna it's gonna be rough whenever uh, like Perrin comes back and he's like, "So how'd the meeting go?" And she's gonna be like, "Oh, horrible." And he's gonna be like, "What do you mean?" Like I thought it'd be a happy moment. And she's gonna be like, "Oh my god, did you already?" You know, I like I could see it already I, happening. Like I it's it's. Uh, and the daughter's gonna be on board with it because she's probably gonna be like, "Oh my god, he's so hot! Yes, I want to marry him," you know, or something like that. Like Sansa and Joffrey in the in the first two episodes, dude. Yeah, either that or uh, Mon is going to agree with it, and uh, her daughter's gonna resent her more for marrying her off to some kid. Um, You think she's actually thinking about it? Oh, one hundred percent. I don't think she has a choice. I think she has to think about it um, because she has no other way to move around her money. Does she just need money or does she need the actual process in which Davo has access to? She needs she needs the ability to account for four hundred thousand dollars that is missing from her funds. Like there is like the Empire will eventually look into her, realize that four hundred thousand dollars is missing with no accountability for where that money should have gone. And Davo can provide a nice private ability to, you know, shield that money from the empire. But I guess I'm, I guess I'm just confused on the logistics of how the money situation works. I should just take it at face value as like, this is probably the only option Mon has. Yeah, I have no um, idea how auditing actually like because I, I didn't know if Luthen could just be like, "I got eighty mil, here's four hundred k, that's nothing." Like if that would solve the problem, or if they need the actual big market purchase that he has to cover up whatever you know or or something. Because I think because uh, at first, whenever Takoma and Mom were talking, she, she was like, "I need a loan." She said, "Like I oh, so I need a loan." Like she needs that money too. She needs the four hundred thousand to cover it. She she, does, I think, and she also needs a way to continue moving money after. Ooh, that. okay, that's what it is. The four hundred k can't get it. Can't get all of it done. She needs fair. more access to her money. You're right. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, hmm. and she needs to be able to move it freely without. Imperial okay. eyes prying, and he can provide the service that shields it from the empire. He's basically the Swiss bank. Yes. Like a, okay. In Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. So, okay, fair. <laughs> I guess yeah, I should just think, yeah, maybe I'll just, that's how I'll think of him. Cause it kind of yeah, lines like, up. That's exactly it. He's everything the, just kind of lines up there, actually. <laughs> he's the guy who gets caught at the Benny Hanna and, and, and fucking Wolf of Wall Street. Benny Hanna? <laughs> Benny fucking Hanna? You know, like, uh, that's, that's him. That's that guy. But uh, over at his shop, Luthen is being informed by Clea that someone is seeking a meeting. She doesn't like the timing. She insists on going herself in case it's a trap. And Luthen's like, nah, 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 I'll be going. It's okay. It's been a year. I'm surprised he's waited this long. 
And she's like, but what if it's a trap? And he's like, hey, if it's a trap, we already lost. We done for if, if it's a trap, you know, like might as well go. Um, and that was, that was a nice brief scene there in the shop. Fucking love Clea still, still down for Clea. Need more Clea. Uh, but yeah, yeah. There, I didn't notice this before, but after it's been pointed out, it's kind of hard to not notice. Whenever Clea and Luthen are talking to each other, Clea is the one giving the orders. Like, Luthen has to agree with Clea on most things. Mo- Luthen rarely gives a command, almost ever, to Clea. And I have, a, like, a suspicion that that's why at first, whenever, um, like, they th- came to the conclusion that they had to kill Cassian because he saw Luthen's face, um, we kind of just accepted that it was, like, both of them going with that, like, yep, he saw my face. I know it's not what I want to do, but it's what we have to do. But, like, Luthen gives no words, like, nothing that Luthen says points to killing Cassian. It's only what Clea says, and, like, I don't know. I feel like Luthen doesn't actually know that Cassian is being, like, Haunted. I don't know. Or, like, I I don't know. I feel like Clea is the one that is kind of giving orders here and doing things. Because when she went to go talk to Vel, she was like, oh, yeah, I recruited that person all on my own. And I've been doing all this stuff just all on my, you know, like. She she was like talking like a big game. She's like, yeah, like I do all this shit on my own. Like I feel like I don't know, I wh- whether they're I don't know. Maybe it's not a hierarchy situation where Clea is above Luthen, but maybe they're just kind of on the same, just kind of like they've all taken this vow, you know, like mm-hmm. whatever this vow is, um, which is pretty dope. But yeah. I don't know. I feel like Clea is a sleeper, is a sleeper right now, and like there's not enough attention being focused on her. I know. I want. I want more Clea. You know. I. I. I don't know her deal. I mean, my prevailing theory is that she's Cassian's sister. Um. Like, I'm fair. I'm almost certain she's Cassian's sister. Um. No. You think Luthen knows that? No. I don't think Clea would know it. Like, I don't think. I don't think she. You knows think that. no one knows it. I don't think either of them know their each. I don't think anyone knows it. I think that maybe eventually, you know, and or take Cassian takes this vow, which will be the first time we hear it. We won't hear the vow until Cassian takes it. Oh, because the only way not to kill him is that he. Oh, my fuck. Yes. You're you. Oh, you got it. You got it. You got it. And then maybe him and Clea get to talk a little bit. You know, where are you about? Where are you? Oh, my. No way, dude. Oh, dude. But if they've taken the vow, then, like, Luthen would probably know about that then. Actually, it would be very interesting if Luthen... No. Oh, no, no. No one could know. Because no way, if they knew, would they be like, oh, yeah, let's kill him. Like, he saw your face. Yeah. Like, if if they... Yeah, no way. So they... No one knows. No, I don't think... But it's possible. Well, that's the thing, oh. is that, like, uh... There's a chance Luthen knows and is keeping that from Clea. You know, for the good of them, for the good and of the rebellion. 
honestly, a thing that's been bugging me the whole time is why he sought out Cassian in the first place. Yes, he stole a high-profile thing, but, like, really, he should have been after the high-profile thing. He just thought Cassian was a thief. He could have gotten that from anyone. He didn't know that he was the one to steal it himself. Mm. But he's like, I came here for you. That's kind of odd. You know? Like, that's... That's a... I don't know. That's... There's something there. I think there's something there. I do... And, like, my... I'm waiting... Like, I think that might be why we're getting so little Aclea is because it's just like little, little hints that that's probably what we're, that's probably what we're heading for. That's, that's just my prevailing theory is that she is, uh, she's a sister. Is it uh, Clea with a C? It's Clea with a K. K. K L E I A? K L E Y A. E Y A. Clea. Oh, okay. Clea. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, I can't believe I've never said that on the podcast before. I've thought that for weeks. Really? Yeah, I've thought I've thought that for a while. Have I never said that? I don't think so. Or maybe it just didn't hit as hard. I don't know. No, yeah, but no, it, I I don't I don't know. I I that's I've thought I feel that, like that's the first time I've heard it. I don't now. know. Um but yeah, I don't know when I started thinking it, but maybe it was just like a I guess we haven't really theorized about who Clea is and I've just never had yeah. the chance to say it. So uh yeah, that's that's where I'm at. I think Clea's Cassian's sister, but uh, that's that's good. That is good. Like that, I would like that. And a lot, but... and it is going to be found out during the vow thing. Like I I think you might have hit that. The vow thing I think is happening for sure. Mm, um, yeah. that's like in stone. The option, the cherry on top, is like, wait, you're fucking, you're from Canary? What the fuck? You know? And then they're like, huh? Oh, dude, dude. Well, I'm, and there's I'm also the fact that I don't think we ever hear him call his sister by her name in those flashbacks. You're he, right. We never learn his sister's name. But he's looking for, he's searching for, doesn't he say, no, he, he calls her by name though, right? Okay. Maybe? I'm looking, no, I think he just says, I'm looking for a Cal, uh, Calamari, what the fuck? Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, um, a canary. I think a canary woman is maybe what he said. Not, not a name. Um, All right. Starwars.com is telling me that it is Carrie. K-E-R-R-I. But. Hey. Hey, man. Clea. Kaylee? Cassie Cassie's you said name Kaylee? Or what was it? K-E-R-R-I. Carrie. Yeah, you're right. That Casa cast. You're right. It could be. It could be a different name. It could be a different name. There's no reason. Um, but anywho, we get back to Narkina Five here at Cassian's table, where uh, Taga's hands are shaking and Jembok is ga- gauging everyone's uh, anxieties and excitements. And Zal's like, "Yep, I just want out, man. I don't care how it happens. I'm fucking in. You're gonna be one of the first to die." Uh, but uh. Yeah, Taga is very clearly nervous. He's I'm dead. I'm dead. I'm pretending to be dead. And Cassian pulls him in and is like, yo, don't die until you put up a fight. And that seems to calm him down for now. Uh, but uh, Cassian makes his way to the bathroom and on his way, Kino gives him gives him a good old one way out. Someone else hands him a little pipe and Cassian gets to work 
with Kino telling the men behind him they're not going to close out the shift with his room two behind. Uh, and uh, meanwhile, the imps upstairs are preparing the new arrival as Cassian chips away with his little file and the anxieties rise. Cassian makes progress. An imp checks in, looks through the window to see if anything's amiss and doesn't see anything. And after that, Zal gives a little signal with a whistle. And projectiles are handed about the room. Everyone's everyone's getting a little tool for them to, to chuck. And uh and uh Cassian finally makes some makes some progress. The pipe bursts and he continues to file away, gaining mm. a stronger stream, and it's uh it's then that he you... hears a just imagine how hard their hearts are beating like if, if this oh. is like you know a re- like if they're really in the situation and they're like holy <laughs> shit that could not i don't know of a more like adrenaline pumping situation that there could be than a prison break you know like like you are running almost into sudden death just for the hope of getting out alive and you don't even know you could die so many steps along the way and you're just like, fuck it. I have to go. Like, that has to be... There's this oh quote from uh, Saw Gerrera. It's a Saw Gerrera quote where he says, One fighter with a sharp stick and nothing left to lose can take the day. And them passing out these projectiles against a blaster bolt. You know, like they are facing two guys with guns and they're just passing out fucking heavy s- circles. Like, yep, we're going to chuck this shit out. You know, they got nothing left to lose. It's time to take the fucking day. Damn. And, uh, yeah. I fucking, I fucking loved it. But, uh, yeah, uh, the, the pipe bursts. Cassian finally makes, uh, makes some progress. And then he hears the alarm alerting them to a new arrival. And he gets an even steadier stream flow and hits it a couple more times just for good measure. And, uh, he makes his way out wet and stands on program, uh, with the with the pipe he used to get the water flowing in his shirt behind his head, and I was like, ah, yes, yes. And uh, the prisoner. Not gonna lie, I was lost here a little. I was like, wait a minute, isn't this just gonna make it worse? Like I was like, I what? I didn't fully comprehend. Like I didn't click that it would short circuit everything and like, I didn't blow everything either. Up. Um, I I I too thought the same thing. Like whenever a dude was standing in the water and like they kept showing people's like feet pattering in the water, I was like, oh no, they're gonna die quicker. Yeah, um, probably more painful. I don't know. Like, and I'm like, are works. they trying to lure the guards into the water? That's what I was thinking. I'm like, what is this? Like, how is it? What's the? What's yeah, the no, market? I did not. I did not get it until it happened, and I was like, oh, okay, fuck yeah, fuck yeah. Mm. <laughs> uh, but uh, the prisoners exchange looks. The water flows, and Kino tells the men to hold their positions. The lift makes its way down, and the plan goes into action. Zal and Ham stage an argument in a fight, and uh, it's a sufficient distraction so that Cassian can use the pipe to jam the lift. And once it's stopped, the homie we met last week, Burnock, tries to mount the lift and inadvertently tears down one of its sides uh, after the imp shocks the new arrival, knocking all of them over. And uh, the new arrival takes advantage of the opportunity and uses the shock, shock prod on the imp himself. And I was like, fuck yes. You know, I don't even know this guy, but that was so fucking satisfying. Like, all hell broke loose, and this imp was just like, fuck it, I'm gonna shock this guy. You know, like, what the fuck? What the fuck? Um, I like that he got his, uh, he got his revenge. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the guards begin loosing shots, and the first one struck down is the new arrival. 
Uh, and it's Dang, at this man. point. He went down so quick, too. Like, yeah. or no, the, oh, wait, not yet. Never mind. Uh, no, Burnock hasn't quite gone down. Okay, he, never mind. Yeah, you're right. It's not long because, yeah, you it's know, like, right Kino here. yells, like, now! And everyone starts chucking their shit up at them. And it's not long now before Burnock goes down and uh, Cassian continues his climb. Uh, as more and more prisoners continue to fall, and um, and MPL climb, we get yep. it so much like yeah. climb. climb, and we got it from Kino. Yeah. Like it's always from the person that just doesn't quite make it, you know. God yeah. dang, from freaking Nemec, climb as he's dying. Yeah. Kino climb, freaking. B2SO or K2SO, not B2SO. I'm thinking. We're going to get a climb or climb. Oh, dude, can you imagine we get a climb from B2 emo? Yeah, but this shit, this shit really, really popping off now. And MPL's back to his cadre to spark the floors. And Kino's like, Get on the tables! Everyone on the tables! An instruction that he himself does not follow. Which I thought was of note. He let everyone else get on tables before he did. Um, and when the floor is sparked, the water leak ca- Cassian Kaw shorts out the floor circuits and it invigorates the prisoners in a way we hadn't yet seen. Uh, new life within them. Kino yells again. Attack! Uh, prisoners get shot down, Zal among them, but then Cassian reaches the top, taking out both the guards. They climb and take the day. On the floor below, water begins to drip down from above, and uh, they're like, what the fuck going on up there? That can't be normal. And uh, back upstairs, uh, floor 52D begins arming themselves from the Imperial armament. Uh, Cassian and Kino move out and forming someone else to hold the level. Uh, Cassian being like, Kino with me. And he's like, but someone's got to hold the level. He said, fucking let someone else do that. I need you. Uh, I fuck. I loved that. And, uh, we watch as a uh, Taga ham, Jembok, and Melshi lead their own battalions to free different rooms. Uh, I love, I love that. Like just the table was like, yeah, we're going to go our separate ways, lead a different group of men. We, we got this shit. Like I really, really loved that. Uh, oh. Like, and the whole time, Cassian is the leader, the, like, he's the one who's leading this prison. He is, he is the point man. Yeah. And it's not, I mean, like, to give Kino credit, he does come up with that speech on his own, but, like, Cassian does get him there, but, like, he still delivers a fucking smackdown speech. So, but, like, but every other time, like, Cassian's for real. Cassian's leading this. Yes, he is, but, uh. And you'll love to see it. I mean, like, without without Cassian, Taga, Ham, Jimbok, and Melshi, they don't go leading their own shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, these are the dudes who are leading the prison break, and it's just his fucking table. Uh, uh, but, I, look, uh, what, it, I think it's maybe about right here, or the, the first guy that enters, like, the new room. Yeah, Ham. Um, One way out! Come on and fight! But it's... I don't, is it just his? Does he have an accent or like? Yes, did he? he would does. He, okay, because I didn't know if it was like if they were trying to be like it was such a moment of adrenaline that he just didn't know how like like 
Because it kind of came out a little weird. Because the people in the room went, like, what, what the, the fuck, fuck is like, he talking about? the fuck? And I didn't know if it was just because, like, obviously, if anyone just runs in a room and says that, they're going to be like, obviously, what the fuck? It's not the line delivery that made him yeah. say that. But, but you um, know, he does go on to lower the lift for them, and they're like, oh, shit, yeah, bet, bet, bet. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Kino and Cassian continue their ascent of the levels, and Melshi finds himself in a shootout. And uh, after he succeeds, he tells the room, we're leaving. Join us. And he, uh, he he's like, fucking figure out how to get out of here. I'm not going to lower a lift for you guys. Climb. Uh, and uh, he opened the door for him, I guess. Yeah, true. Yeah, he, yeah I guess. Yeah, he said, climb. oh, he said climb too. Yeah, said yeah. climb, use whatever you can. Yes, climb. But uh, an announcement comes over the PA telling everyone that uh, complete program protocol will commence in 40 seconds. Any deviation or failure to comply will result in unit-wide activation of the floors. And for that last part, we finally see the man behind the distorted PA voice as Cassian and Kino arrive to take over the command center. And it just being this this fucking bitch. Um, did this dude look like mad familiar to you? Yes. What, I can't like, what is it? I, I, oh my no god, idea. I need to know. This was another one that was bugging the crap out of me. And man, did they cast the most absolute narkiest looking dude ever, though. Like, that, it's, is it, you think it'd kind of be like insulting to be cast as like a role like this? I mean, like, I if mean, you're I, in Hollywood, you're going to take it, you know? But like, man, it sucked just to play the narc, you know? Oh, yeah. I'd be, uh, I'd be a little pressed. This shit would, What's uh, his, I guess, yeah, you probably wouldn't have a, a name. Cause he, on IMDb, there is the voice of God is credited in this episode. Yeah. Martin Ware, the voice of God, is that him? Is he the voice of God in this? No. Who would be the voice of? What's the voice of God? Yeah, I have no idea. What the fuck? What? Yeah, it's like, yep, Andy Serkis, Kino Lloyd, Diego Luna, Cassian Andor, Martin Ware, the voice of God. Yeah, I see I see that. That's like He's in Morbius. He's in a he's in solo. Well, he's What's the he casting in? department. Oh. What? I guess his word is scripture. Whoever Martin Ware is, his word is the truth. He is the voice of God. That's <laughs> Yeah. Wait, he's he's credited twice as the voice of God, actually on IMDb for this episode for some reason. Um, but I can't find I can't find this narc dude though. Sadly, I can't either. What the fuck? I know console like, guard. Oh, oh, console. Maybe. Oh man, yeah, this yeah, it's gonna kill me. It's, it's gonna, gonna yeah, it's gonna bug the crap out of me. Intake warden. <gasps> Is he the warden? Intake ward. Oh no, that's the dude at the beginning. That fucking fuck. Man, I have no idea, and it's really, really bugging me. But, uh, nevertheless, they take the command center, and uh, it's it's a moment of triumph. Kino makes the demand that he turn it off. When the guy plays dumb, Kino goes ahead and shoots his buddy. He's like, "All right, you want to you want to act like you don't know what the fuck I'm talking about again." Uh, he's like, that could mean so many things. Uh, and the other guard in the room's like, after the shot, he's like, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll turn it off. Uh, and when he goes to do so, Cassian's like, nah, 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 don't just turn it off. Cut all power. And the guy's like, I don't, it's like, it's, it's 
fucking hydropowered. You know how long that'll take to turn back on? And he's like, yeah, I fucking do. Like, I don't want you to turn it back on. I don't give a fuck. Oh, can you believe it? Uh, he's like, uh, he's like, I don't, I don't have, I can't do it. It's him. It's him over there who can do it. And, uh, he's like, yeah, okay, I can do it. Uh, he complies, all power goes down and the, the backup power kicks in and everyone who was asleep in the facility takes notice as the lights flash and Cassian puts these, uh, puts these imps in the corner and yells at them on program. And I was like, oh. Uh. Oh. Thank you. Thank you for that moment. Thank you. Yeah, like, dude. And uh, that was, if there was ever a nut moment in the show, that was it. That, that is a nut moment. That is a nut moment. Oh, man. It's like a, in Eternals, in Eternals, the smack, you know, like the, yes. he's like, he, I think he even says, like, oh, that felt good, or like, uh, yeah. like Ryan something. Harry Henry's throwing down Richard Madden, like, Fasto's throwing down Icarus like, oh, I've been wanting to do this for a long time. That's you know? what he said. That's what he said. Oh, yeah. yeah like, that shit hit. But um, nevertheless, he grants Kino the mic to speak to the people. And Kino stands at the mic, briefly unsure of what to say. And Cassian tells him, it has to be him. It's what he's always done. Tell them what to do. And so I've got like a big ass fucking oh, yeah. thing here. Just moment by moment. Kino begins my name is kino loy i'm the day shift manager on level five i'm speaking you speaking to you from the command center on level eight prisoners everywhere get off program out of their beds listening we are at this moment in control of the facility cassian goads him a little bit is that the best you've got kino continues how long we hang on and how far we get how many of us make it out? All of that is now up to us. We have deactivated every floor in the facility. All floors are cold. And the first to trust his word is the night shift manager on level five, Zinska, who nervously takes the first step out of his bunk and onto the floor. To Brave man. Him. Oh, and Brave I love, I loved the detail that it was him. That like, mm. whenever... It happened last episode, and Zinska's like, they fried all 100 men. That's what made Kino believe it. Like, he trusted Zinska, and Zinska trusts him. You know, like, he's like... Oh, that's awesome. If he says he turned off the floors, he turned off the floors. I'm going to take the step. He says, wherever you are right now, get up. Stop the work. Lifts begin to descend, and those working stop. They head for the door. Get out of your cells, take charge, and start climbing. We see Melshi and his crew ascend the stairs. They don't have enough guards, and they know it. If we wait until they figure that out, it'll be too late. We see guards panicked, afraid. Kino shudders, tears in his eyes, and continues. We will never have a better chance than this. And it's it's him like looking straight at the camera in that moment. It's like, oh my god! Then he turns his gaze to Cassian, and quotes his comrade. And I would rather die trying to take them down than giving them what they want. Ugly cry, instantaneous. Oh. Oh, ugly I'm cry, popping, bro. Oh, I'm my. like, I'm sitting up in my bed. I'm like, I'm like clutching my arms. I'm like, oh, god, this is fucking awesome, and. 
like I'm so happy. I'm so fucking happy at this moment. And then he, he turns to the imps, death glaring them, fired up. He says, we know they fried 100 men on level two. We know that they are making up our sentences as we go along. Doors open at prisoners' bunks. They make their way through those doors. They're lining up. They're walking out. Kino continues. We know that no one outside here knows what's happening. And now we know that when they say we are being released, we are being transferred to some other prison to go and die. And that ends today. A fucking fire in his eyes He and haste in his voice. He looks to the camera, tears in his eyes. He goes, there is one way out. Right now, the building is ours. You need to run, climb, kill. And Cassian, you know, he hears something outside, runs outside with his gun drawn, only to find Melshi and his crew. Fuck yeah. And Kino continues. You need to help each other. You see someone who's confused, someone who is lost. You get them moving and keep them moving until we put this place behind us. We see some prisoners all over the facility climbing to get out of the rooms, arming themselves. He says, there are 5,000 of us. If we can fight half as hard as we've been working, we will be home in no time. He begins chanting, one way out, one way out, one way out. And the facility joins in, thunderous chants heard throughout the floors everywhere. And the fact that through this entire speech, Homie knows he cannot swim. Homie, know, homie knows this is it for him, bro. He knows the whole fucking time that he's not making it out of this. Makes so much more sense. Like, now that, like, you look back and, like... It was emotional, like, he's obviously going to be emotional because, you know, this is a very, it's a fucking prison break, holy fuck, your whole life and, like, everything, wow. But, like, to know you're doing this and you're not going, you're not making it, like, well, it's and it's just, like, I also almost think there's this part of him that just kind of forgot that that's the case. You like, think? he's lived in this prison for so fucking long. Maybe he truly does get to the door and goes, oh, yeah, we're in the middle of the fucking ocean. You're right. He does kind of he is running with them, screaming like one way out. And he's kind of like has like the belief in his eyes. Like, yeah, like, you know, whether that's written to be like that or not, like that's. Oh, man, because he kind of. Well. It's kind of instant. He looks at Cassian and he's already like, it's not like a realization he has. It's because he kind of smiles, you know, like, yeah, he's kind of like, already, yeah. he's already been at peace with it. You know, he smiled. So I don't think he came to peace with it right then and there. I think he, he knew like yeah. he knew the whole time. But, Cause I mean, uh, I, I, wow. It's the last breath of fresh air you'll ever get, you know, like I, it's probably very meant like the, I don't know. I'd say like the image of freedom that you think in your mind is like the last thing I saw was the ocean. So I mean, yeah. I, it probably, I don't know. I mean, regardless, they make their break for it. Uh, some being trampled as they trip and fall on their way out. Guards hiding from the prisoners. 
no interest in interfering. Like literally someone slams on their door and a guard goes quiet. Like, don't let them know we're in here. They will they would get us. rocked. We, they they would... will fucking kill us. And they uh, were pissing their pants in there. Yeah, oh, they... it was bad. It was bad. The way they're all squatted and everything like all oh, these pussies. Mm. And uh, they all finally make it to the edge. And some immediately begin jumping in the water. Cassian yells to Melshi. Whatever happens now, we made it. And uh, he looks back to Kino, who has come to a to a startling realization. Cassian's like, what's up? He's like, I can't swim. I can't swim. And uh, Cassian is given no choice in trying to stay with Kino as he is shoved off the edge uh, to join his brethren in the water. And Kino watches on envious of the freedom, accepting that this is the end of the line. And uh, we get a beautiful view of the facility from above that is so clearly influenced by the Imperial logo. Like, oh my God. When they showed that, like the way my jaw just hit the fucking... I, know, it, I didn't think it, like, it didn't hit me. I'm like, <clears throat> like seven, everything, you know, like they're always obsessed with seven and everything. And then I look at the Empire, like the logo, and I'm like, oh, fuck. Yeah, it's a hexagon, you know, like seven or seven sides. Okay, fuck. Okay, that's that's pretty sick. Um, and then or a hex or it's a, it's it's that's a the thing. Hex, imperial logo seven it, for corners, seven would be septagon, but yeah, <laughs> it is not the imperial logo is not quite a septagon. It is a hexagon. You got it right. It does have six yeah. cogs. It has six sides. It was but really the close seven vertices, the seven yeah. points. Yeah. Um. Wow. But, uh, yeah, and I wanted to point out a little parallel here, uh, potentially, uh, in another character who knew it was the end of the line for them, uh, Saw Gerrera. Mm. Uh, and another one, I'll get to it. But just the looking out into the vast landscape, there is no horizon for Saw. It's nothing it's, but it's, horizon. The horizon is coming to him. Yeah. Actual, like that's all, yeah. oh, dude. And no. uh, it's, it's the opposite for Kino. You know, it's it's endless horizon, but he won't be able to make it out. Um, and then the other one is that Cassian dies at the beach, over out, looking out over a body of water. Um, and Luke, yeah, if you want to go there, yeah. Um, where his actual body was, you know, we saw two things. Um, kinda, or kind of. way more than two things. If if he can just fucking, uh, he saw everything. Maybe he saw all. Fuck. But yeah, this was uh this is the end of Ooh. Kino. Uh, yes. Can we are? Because no way they ended there, right? Like, do you? Do they kill him off screen? There's no way. Like, I think there's a possibility. Do you think I, that? Do you think that's it? Like, there's I think no more they Andy don't return. It's a confirmation for sure that he died here. Like, it's not like a like. That's the thing. Is the only thing that leaves it open to maybe he survived is if they come back. If they don't come back to him, he's dead. He died. the The guards are still in there. He spoke over the intercom. They heard him. He's done, man. Like this. This guy's dead. I guess the only other people 
that would be stay with Kino would be other people who can't swim. So there is the possibility that he's not the only one left. I Out think, of five thousand people, I think poetically, yeah, it should he will be. be the, he will be the okay. lone person there. Fair, fair, should be. Um, I don't know. I I see the scene of him sitting at the edge, just sitting there, lay you know, legs dangling over, just looking at everyone escaping, swimming away, running. And him just having the biggest smile on his face. And then the guards walk up behind him, having their taser sticks in hand, and they're like, ah, Kino, oh, you're in whatever Empire line they're going to say. And then Kino's going to be like, well, I'd rather die. He's going to, he's just going to say the line and peace off the edge. Um, I can just yeah, I can see it so clearly, and I can see how it's gonna tear me to shreds whenever it happens on screen. Mm. I want it to happen, but I don't want it to happen at the same time. Uh, yeah, you know, if uh, if anything, I could see it going a little bit differently, where he doesn't even look back at them, and they just open fire on him, and his body falls into the water, and he's like, "No, he has to be the one to do it." Well, I mean, accepting yeah. accepting his fate at this I, point. Okay, f- fair. I, I guess true. That that would be okay. I, w- I would be okay with that. I would like it, however, even more. If what if he just went berserk and just took out as many of them with him? That'd be awesome. Fucking, that would be fucking killer. Just grabbed two of them and just, just took them with him. Like, you know, that just... epic. I would love oh, that. That'd honestly be even that. better. Like... Oh, I hope that's what he does. Like two of them try to like come up behind him and like grab him, and he just whoo, goes we off. Didn't get insane that they didn't kill those two people in the control room. Like I thought they were gonna die. Oh, for I sure. thought for sure. No, and like I was also like alarmed. Like, what if they just try to turn the power? I guess back it would on? take months. Yeah, they but said they could have lied time. about that. He could have just been like, "Ooh, we're gonna take months, but we can just flip a switch and blare, blaze you up." I don't know, but. Yeah, that was a that was a, I guess a calculated risk. I guess he thought he was going to be in the ocean in the next couple minutes, but yeah, like they were like, oh, we're we're home free now, so like maybe maybe that was kind of it. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, almost feels like I, I I I I have a tough time. None of them tried to contact anybody. I was like, I was worried when they were like, yep, we're going to swim. I was like, y'all are literally sitting ducks out there. But they were fine. So I'm chilling like uh, no big deal to me. Do those prisons have like ships and stuff like in them? You think like ready to go? Probably not. Because no way they think anyone's going to escape. Yeah, no, they probably don't have ships. So even if they could contact like those transports. Yeah, maybe it's like even if they could contact another one of the prisons, I guess they'd have to contact like someone different off planet. planet. Yeah. yeah, or like maybe further on shore. I don't know. Whatever else is on no, that planet, I think, I think is it an right. ocean planet. I don't know. No, oh. it's not. No, because no, no, no. They they get yeah. on land. Yeah, yeah. But regardless, back on Coruscant in the underworld, Lonnie makes his way through a crowd into the depths of the underworld where he finds himself a lift, and within the lift he finds a calm hidden. And begins speaking to Luthen. You know, Luthen figures out, not a trap, and then tells him, congrats on being a father. 
you know? And I was like, ooh, yeah, yeah this, is a, this is a threat. Lonnie's like, is that supposed to scare me? And he's like, nah, you know, it's been a year. You became a dad. What do you want me to say? Nothing. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Lonnie's like, yo, that's not fair. You got to think about what it must feel like from my side. And Luton's like, I think about you constantly. And then uh, they get to the meat of the matter. Lonnie informs him of Deidre Miro's activities and how she's on to someone called Axis. And Luthen's like, ah, that's great. Good. That has nothing to do with me. So uh, we're chilling. He's like, you did not do Aldani? Nope, wasn't me. Whoever did it got lucky. We don't build rebellions on luck. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's not going to tell someone plugged into the ISB what he's doing completely. Um, but... Lonnie then informs him that she's just captured a rebel pilot running supplies for Anto Krieger. And he tells him what they did to the pilot and that they know about the planned raid on Spellhouse. They'll be there waiting. And this is, uh, this is of little concern to Luthen. Uh, while the moral and just thing is to warn them and to not go on the raid, it would alert the ISB that someone is informing the rebels on such things, thus giving away Lonnie's position. Lonnie insists that Luthen warned them, uh, but he won't. He's worth every bit the lives of 50 men in the eyes of Luthen. He, whenever he's like, you got to warn them, he's like, it's 50 men. Like, 50 dudes? I don't give a fuck. It's tough here. It's like, he's Not like... like... I get what do you I... do, man? You no, know, like that's the thing. it's like Mon having to marry off her daughter. You know, it's like, like, well, that that's why Luthen's like whole monologue later yeah. is so fucking important because that's him justifying what he's saying. He's like, I've given up all inner peace. Any any shot at happiness in my mind is gone. It, it's it won't be there. I've done oh. too much fucked up shit. I'll, Talk I'll about never... the score of a oh. like being good, like. Okay. I think, like, they're trying to portray him as, like, the devil here. Like, they're in, like, the depths. Like, I mean, they're, like, 300 floors down in Coruscant. He's dressed in dark clothing. He's, I'm the one who has to, you, you know, he's, like, literally, I like, I am the like, one who knocks. Yeah, like, I mean, I feel like the closest character to him is Palpatine. Like, I, I don't know of a closer comparison. Like, take the Force away from Palpatine and just take all this calculatedness and evil, evil evilness and making that work for him. And, like, it's kind of what Luthen is. Like, it's Luthen. just for every, like, there needs to be the counter for everything. It's the yin and the yang. Like, the, and who, you know, some would think that Luke Skywalker was the the yin to Palpatine's yang, but I don't know. Maybe it's Luthen, dude. No, yeah, I mean he's a he's a calculated motherfucker. You know, he, he certainly is. But uh, you know, Luthen says to him, "I'm doing this for you as much as anything." And then the lift stops opening to reveal Luthen here, and he again insists Lonnie tell him why why they're really here. Alani opens up saying he can't do this anymore. He's a father now. He had no idea how it would feel. And Luthen isn't susceptible to this play. You know, you made a vow. You took a vow, he says. And Lonnie tries once more. I've honored my vow. I've worked my way up for six years alone. I have gave you all this. The way Luthen was like, oh, so you thought you'd just give me a little gift basket on your way out. 
that it? And Luthen asks what he planned to tell the ISB if he's if he's getting out. Lonnie's like, oh, I'll tell them my it's my health. And Luthen's like, you you know that's not how that works. You know it's impossible. And Luthen says, we can't let you go. We've been grooming you for too long. And yes, you've been alone, but your career has prospered. He continues, you love your daughter. And Krieger's men will be dying to make sure she has a father. You're trapped, Lonnie. No pleasure in saying it, but you know it. And <laughs> Lonnie asks Luthen, you know, Lonnie asks, what does my sacrifice mean anything to you? Like, do you do you think about that at all? He says, I told you, I think of you constantly, and I do. Your service to the rebellion has been epic. A double life, every day a performance, the stress of that? We need heroes, Lonnie, and here you are. Kind of mocking him. Or not kind of, he's mocking him. He's saying, I'm doing exactly what you're doing times five billion, dude. Chill the fuck out and grow some balls and be my spy boy. Is like basically what he's saying in simple terms, which I which is kind of nuts. But he says it way more eloquently. Oh yeah, um, a double. Well, and he does it and he does it so vaguely enough that it's like he could be complimenting him, you know. And he does oh, yeah. call, like he does call I him think, a hero. Yeah, he the like he takes it as a compliment, but Luthen is not. He's not saying it as a compliment. Like he's talking his own game up. Like that's that's what he's doing. He's like, yeah. this is yeah. I don't know. I, I it well, felt very condescending. Well, and um, Lonnie doesn't take it completely as a compliment. He's like, yeah. Mm, what do you oh, sacrifice? Right. Mm, that's true. Yeah. Uh, and that's what sparks the monologue. You know, Luthen lets him know, I don't have a life. I don't have peace. I don't have love. I don't have friends. I've given up on inner peace. My mind is a sunless space. I share my dreams with ghosts. I wake up every day thinking of an equation I wrote 15 years ago from which there is only one conclusion. I am damned for what I do. There is no escape from the life that he's chose. He asks Lonnie, what is my sacrifice? I'm condemned to use the tools of my enemy to defeat them. I burn my decency for someone else's future. I burn my life to make a sunrise that I know I will never see. And the ego that started this fight will never have a mirror or an audience or the light of gratitude. So what do I sacrifice? Everything. And the way he... Oh, dude, Stellan Stark. That oh. everything? Whoa. This whole monologue was nuts. Well, and you want to you wanna talk about Palpatine comparisons. As soon as I heard everything, I thought to the rise of Skywalker whenever Kylo Ren's like, And what can you give me? And he goes, everything. It's the polar opposite. The everything. Everything! It's the pol It's exactly the ying to dude. He's Palpatine. It's why I love him so much. It's I already put him down for my favorite character. Because it is Cassian, probably, because of his character development here is just fucking... It's nuts. It's he's the hero, and he's realizing it. And he's like, oh, my words do mean something. Like, I can actually do something here. Like, I, it's Cassian, but... Luthen is becoming like one of my favorite characters in Star Wars in general oh, right I now. I love this guy. Um, so yeah, no, I he I think um, I'm gonna give him the the character nod because I think, um, I think you'll give Cassian the nod. I think I, it, I it, am you giving already. Cassian okay. my nod. I cool. filled out. I've already filled mine out. I filled it out as soon as I watched it. But uh, 
yeah, after after this monologue, he tells Lonnie, you'll be staying with me. Uh, I need all the heroes I can get. And he shuts the lift on him and sends him upward. And I was like, oh, shit, I fucking love this guy. But, I mean, why doesn't he he can go war Krieger's men? Yeah, true. Can he? Like, do you think that that's what he does? Or do you think he just, I mean, he did just hear, he did just get fucking owned. And he might just be like, damn, he's fucking right. Like, all right. Like, yeah, these, these 50 men are dying for my daughter. So, okay. Like, yeah. shit. Um, I don't know. Well, I, I, I go to the ISB and go, I've been spying for you. You know? Yeah, they will instantly be like, okay, tell us. They will sick Dr. Evil on you, get all the truth they know, and then kill you. Exactly. Goodbye. Um, nah, man. Yeah, that, I don't know. Yeah, this, the planetscape, though, that, that shows afterwards that they're like running out to. Yeah, um, yeah. Like weird. That weird like, is, what are they going to do? Well, they find their way off. We know that. It's desolate. Like, I mean, no life. I guess people run into Tatooine and find a way out. Yeah. So yeah. They'll, they'll figure it out. I mean, we know they figure it yeah, out. They do. Yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah. It's just a they matter do. of how. Uh, but yeah, man, let's, uh, let's go over some favorites because this mm. was a, this was an episode full of it. Let's start with favorite character. You're going with Luthen. Yeah, I have, I mean, for the episode, and I guess I guess character is is really just focused on not really the performance, but I kind of bake it in too sometimes yeah, with character. Sure. Um, but I, just strictly character arc, character development. I guess Cassian still probably wins that. But, but um, it's it doesn't matter. This one's favorites. It doesn't matter what was the love. Yet. The love for Luthen is just growing. I I struggle like. Palpatine is like my number like two or three most of the time. Like just kind of favorite character. Um, yeah, top five. I don't know. Sometimes he goes down. He dips. He comes up. But like Luthen is like kind of the good Palpatine, which is like way cooler. Yeah. And, um, I I know he's gonna die sometime because he's definitely not the secret leader of the rebellion that we've never heard of the whole time. But if he is, that's even cooler. Even so cooler. I just the need phantom, to know how the he goes menace. out. Wait a minute, dude. If it really is the yin to the yang, then if I should really believe in that. If if I'm thinking that he is Palpatine, then shit, he might be the fucking leader behind the scenes. They might that could be useful. Who knows? Who like knows? I mean, if they don't figure him out or the is they fake his fucking death, dude. There's so many different ways they can go. It's not. He's dying. He's going to die. He's going to die. He's not the secret leader of the rebellion. I got to get that out of my head. It would be fun to keep him around, but he's dead. He will die a revolutionary because that's what he is. You know, like he, he will die for the cause. I have no doubts about it. Who's his Jedi lover? Yaddle. Yaddle. Imagine. Well, she wasn't killed in Order 66 as we learn in tales of the does that spark his fuel even more that an own that a that he a jedi killed his wife not wife i guess yada was yada was on the council she she was she wasn't fucking around you think well if she's fucking around she's fucking around with yoda so not about that um is Uh, there you think you think if 
there is some Jedi connection if there it's like a lover. Do you think like it is a known Jedi or you think it's just like he loved one of the Jedi? I think it would be an unknown Jedi that we are Mm -hmm. unfamiliar with. Um, that they can they can do whatever they want with that story if they wanted to do it. Um, Guess who's like at that age that we like know of? Imagine it's or man, you know. Imagine it's Qui Gon. Oh, that'd be. Now I see. I'm going. Whoever it is had to have died in Order sixty six. Like, I have no doubts about it. Like that's what's that his own personal rebellion starts the moment the Empire kills his his Jedi lover. Um, there. Yeah. Ooh, there's there's more going on with Luthen, man. That that Kyber crystal is not just an ant. That's not just something he stumbled upon. No. I don't think. I don't think his cane resembles a lightsaber so closely. There's not some connection. I don't. I really. At first, I was really in the camp that he was a Jedi, and like he's taken the vow. His vow was that he's never going to use the Force again, so that they can't mm-hmm. track him down. Blah blah blah. And that's what the vow is. But no, I really. I I like that he's just connected to a Jedi, and that because I don't. I don't think a Jedi gives that monologue. No, they no. they don't they they would not do that. They'd be like, "Oh shit, we're going to save those fifty people." Yeah, exactly. Um, unless he's a gray Jedi and they're actually getting into that, I don't know. That'd be nuts, yeah, I, but uh, I don't think so. Um, well, the reason I think there's more credence to him being in love with the Jedi is because there was this idea for Rogue One that Tony Gilroy had originally, where uh, Galen Erso uh, uh, was married to Jen Erso's mom who was originally conceptualized to be a Jedi who survived order 66. Now the way you can tweak that idea and apply it to a different character is just uh, a Jedi who didn't survive order 66. And now they're a massive player in the rebellion, you know? So like Tony Gilroy's played with that idea before. So I think there's, I think there's credence to the idea that he might play with it again and actually apply it in a way that's even better. Um, Mm. I think that would be, I think that we, that'd be cool. Um, Lyra, Lyra Urso, I think is her name. Hmm. Uh, but. Yeah, but as far as the other favorites for the episode, it's kind of hard to not pick what is just what it is. Yeah, um, no, nah. my favorite character, I'm going to go Cassian Andor. He fucked this hmm. week, but performance, Andy Serkis as Kino Loy, scene, Kino speech, and line, uh, I'd rather die trying to... Uh, I'd rather die trying to take them down than giving them what they want. Like that's, it's those three. And I don't think there's, I don't think there's many other choices. You know, I think Diego Luna again did fucking fantastic. Stellan Skarsgård in that monologue fucked so hard. Uh, like, you O'Reilly dude, underrated scene. She fucked whenever like that hit her, the betrothal. And she was like, get the fuck no, out. Yeah, like Tay will out. see you out. Yeah, Tay will see you out. Yeah, Tay was, was like, hard. I, I guess I'm a, I guess I'm a see you out. Yeah. Uh, oh, dude. Yeah. No, this, this is just was a perfect episode of uh, television here. That's like, it's insane. And that's why we don't even need to spend time on the rating. Yeah. It's tens no, across it's, the board. It's tense. There's no question about it. And uh, I, there's no hesitation. And that's what a ten is. You know yeah. when it's a ten. And instantly, when I was done with this episode, I'm like, fuck. I need to watch that again for one. And I two, watched it twice back to yeah. back. <laughs> yeah. And the awesome thing is that if you watch episode nine right behind it, 
it literally plays instantly. Olaf dies, boom, you're right there. Literally right there. Like it is the it's instantaneous. And I wonder if the episode before was actually oh dude. No, that's this is like a perfect movie. three episode that's movie. movie. That, that dude, that's a oh my god. The prison movie. What do we what do we what's it called? What are we calling this arc? Die trying. It's a, Damn. Yeah. The die trying arc. Better than the eye arc. My I'd it say. would probably be one way out. Like it probably would be the name of the episode, like the name of this episode. It probably would just be one way out. Yeah. Um, Fair. The, the way the that end, like the other the one end would episode be the is the name of the arc because the eye. Yeah. I called it the yeah. eye just without even thinking about it. Okay. Fair. Yeah. Like it would be Reckon that me. one would be Reckon. the eye. Uh, okay. Okay. I like it, man. And and that's episode ten. We got we got, we got the penultimate and the ultimate. Yes, we do have the penultimate and the ultimate left. Uh, but shit, man, I think that concludes our coverage of Andor episode 10. One way out. What a fucking good episode this was, man. Like, I'm just left in awe of how any, fucking fantastic the show is, man. Any last minute predictions you want to get in there? I don't know. You have any hidden Clea's Cassian sister, you know, other thing in left your bag? You know, because um, that's that's kind of wow. No, yeah, my only ones are that Clea's Cassian's sister. Ca- the, the the first time we'll hear the vow is when Cassian takes it. Um, and Luthen was in love with the Jedi. Um, or maybe maybe he had like a brother or sister who was a Jedi. Like, uh, regardless, he has a connection, connection. to a Jedi. Yeah, Luthen yeah. connected to a Jedi. Luthen was connected to a Jedi. Yeah, he's he's that he's, died in Order sixty six. He's got ties. Probably. Yeah, so yeah, he's got ties. Make up. You want to make a random guess? I'm. I. It, it'd be sick if it's Qui Gon. Imagine. No, it has to be Order Sixty Six. You're right. It has to be Order Sixty Six. Um, uh, can't be Qui Gon. But Kial Mundi, tall head, who goes down in a fucking blaze. Yes. Oh, dude. It's. I'd love it. I. I'd be. I'd be behind it. Maybe it's Plo Koon. I don't know. Dang, that's a sad one. Obi Wan. Never know. Then he left him. Maybe, maybe Obi Wan telling him no is is the cruel calculation he made. Obi Wan was having right. a thing in Order sixty six. Obi Wan was like, "I can't do it anymore, man. I'm sorry. After this, got to go." <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? But yeah, I'm uh, I'm so I'm so floored mm-hmm. by how good the series is. But with that, I think we conclude this episode of the penny bloom podcast it was i colton robertson and i was joined by joseph george thank you very much homie oh thank you for having me it's always a pleasure to be here oh and it is always a pleasure to have you if you would head to patreon.com slash corobloom that's c-o-r-o-b-l-o-o-m where you'll find over 50 hours of exclusive content including comic book poll lists weekly book reviews quite often and movie reviews less often but often they're over there so head over to patreon.com slash corobloom Pay $3 a month to support your favorite small podcast. It would be greatly appreciated, especially since Twitter is dying, and that was the only way I planned on promoting my podcast. Um, it's a rough time right now. It is a rough time. It is a rough time. But with that, while it's still here, go ahead and follow on Twitter at Penny Bloom Pod. Follow on Instagram at Penny Bloom Podcast. Uh, remember to leave a five-star rate and review wherever you're listening and share with friends. If you were fucking with me and Joe, 
Uh, come back tomorrow uh, for our, our continuation of the 52-year journey through film and next week and every Friday after that for the rest of the year. Uh, next, the, tomorrow is The Big Short from 2015, 2016. We're covering La La Land next Friday and the Friday after that, 2017's Get Out. So we got a big three weeks ahead of us. Um, every Monday, we're doing Winter is Blooming a Game of Thrones rewatch podcast, a very, very joyous occasion mm. that we're doing that. Tavares is back in the mix. Tavares Pennington back with us. Very excited about that. Um, and just stick with us. Remember, peace, love, and bloom. And one way out.